Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about post-harvest wheat burndown. We're also going to be taking your agronomic calls and questions throughout the show. We've got our phone lines open right now at 844 844- 44 ag phd that's 844-442-4743 you can also send us an email if you've got a question or if you've got a, a picture or a soil test you'd like to send us radio at agphd.com would be the place or you can find us on twitter ag phd media brian hefty or darren hefty all right, lots of stuff going on right now. Uh, it's amazing to me the weather differences as you travel across the country. We've got farmers that say it's just so hot and so dry that they can't get the water to the crop fast enough. And then you got a situation like we're in, Brian, where uh, we could use some of that heat and dry for a while. Well, we can talk about weather all day, but I really want to get to this post-harvest wheat talk. Now, a lot of people will say, hey, it's way too early to talk about that. But we, we do these things because, number one, yes, we are on all over the United States and Canada, and so we do have people that are going to be harvesting wheat in not too long. But then the other side of it is just these same conversations are the ones that we're talking to guys about where they have prevent plant. And they say, all right, well, what are we going to do to burn down some of these tough weeds? And, you know, weed size makes an awful lot of difference. The other thing that really matters is what are your weather conditions there? So, for example, you just brought up hot and dry. You're going to have a lot tougher time killing a weed when it's been crazy hot and really dry as opposed to when it's been cooler and wetter. Now, ideally for weed kill, we'd like about 70 to 80 degree temp, maybe even up to 85, and we want humidity, and we want that well before we're going to end up spraying. So, I mean, like days before, we want good weather so the weed's actively growing. What happens if it's super hot and really dry, the weed develops a lot of wax on that leaf, on on every leaf that it has, and now it's tougher to penetrate through that and get good weed control. So in that case, then we switch spray adjuvants and go with something like methylated seed oil or crop oil to enhance the control and burn through that wax and get get the weed killer in. So there are a lot of options and a lot of products that guys can use, but you got to think about just those general things in the first place. Yeah, there's a lot of rules that are going to apply no matter where you're at. And I think, okay, back to uh, what you were talking about there, Brian, about the the weather being this big factor. We we know how to defeat that. We know how to how to get around that. I mean, if we're super, super cold, like we're freezing temperatures, obviously you're just not going to spray, but all this in-between stuff and then the rapidly changing things can be a little bit tricky. So can these showers that are popping up. And how about rain fast, Brian? How do we how do we work through these rain fast times on various products? Right. And so the whole thing is, you know, just as a farmer, you can be talking to your neighbors and talking to agronomists and everything about weather all the time. And we can waste a whole bunch of our time talking about the weather and farm news and a bunch of stuff that doesn't affect us. But what I prefer to do is I'm going to know the weather, but I'm focused on, okay, what are the agronomic advantages and disadvantages I have to each of these things? So if I know I've got rainfall coming, then yeah, you got to be out there enough in advance. And it makes a lot of difference what time of day we're talking about. So, for example, let's say it's noon or 2 in the afternoon. That's whole different than if it's 8 p.m. 
because at 8 p.m. there's going to be dew starting to form and your product just doesn't get absorbed into that leaf very quickly and it really extends your rain fast time. If you spray in the middle of the day and you get absorption into that leaf fairly quickly, you know, within 30 minutes or an hour, usually you're pretty rain safe. So, as yes, you have to follow the label, and it'll say right on the label what the rain fast time is. But as a general statement, if it just simply dries onto the plant or dries into the plant, now you're usually in pretty good shape. Well, we're hearing so many agronomists recommending various oils trying to penetrate leaves quicker. And yet I don't really see anything on chemical labels that says, well, hey, if you're using MSO, then you only need an hour. Otherwise, you need two uh, but in effect, if you can drive things into that leaf quicker, that's that's a good thing. I don't see where that's necessarily a bad thing as long as you're not burning I don't see that so fast. What do you say? Yeah, I know, but I don't see that that's going to speed the rain fast time much. The reason why you switch the adjuvant is to burn through the wax that's on that leaf. It's not to try to get uh, a faster rain fast time. I just don't think that's going to make a whole lot of difference. You know, when we're we're looking at these post-harvest wheat burndowns, we've got all the issues with glyphosate-resistant weeds. And certainly as soon as we take away the cover uh, of that crop as it's harvested, we've got a lot of issues uh, with, with uh, weeds popping up. And it's going to be pretty much everything under the sun. The use of residual herbicides is one of the things that kind of interests me. More farmers are starting to incorporate a, a residual herbicide into that program to not just burn everything down, but try to hold it down for a while without having to come back over and over and over again. Well, it all depends on when you're doing this burn down. So for some guys, wheat harvest isn't until the 1st of October. Well, in that case, they don't need much residual. If you're burning down the 1st of August, yeah, residual is really nice to have. If you're if you're doing this like, uh, let's say it's the 1st of June or the 1st of July, I mean, and you're not going to have a crop out there all the way until next spring, then I think residual is essential. So, yeah, it really depends on the timing. And a lot of people are talking about using Valor, and I think that's a really good option. It's pretty inexpensive, kills a lot of different weeds. You can rotate to a lot of different crops. You've also got Sharpen. That's a little more expensive, but that's a good option as well. They're both PPO herbicides. So, you know, there are some things you can do. The one thing I don't usually recommend is throwing a bunch of atrazine out there. And I know that used to be kind of a standard thing, but I just don't like the atrazine because of the possible groundwater contamination and leaching. So if you have, if you're in an area that gets no rain and you have super crazy heavy soil, no big worries. But as a general statement, I just don't like atrazine as that residual product. All right, we're going to talk about post-harvest wheat burndown and also tackle your agronomic questions on today's program. If you'd like to call in and join the discussion, it's 844-442-4743 or 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Are you frustrated with white mold showing up year after year in your soybeans? If you have tried fungicide applications and are still losing yield to white mold, now is the time to ask your seed dealer about Heads Up Plant Protectant. Heads Up is the first EPA-registered seed treatment for the prevention of white mold in soybeans and pulse crops. The first line of defense on your farm against white mold now starts with the right seed treatment package. Locate a Heads Up dealer near you by visiting headsupst.com today. 
In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit grainphd.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgriLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're going to be talking about post-harvest wheat burndown. And I get it. There's just so many different, uh, well, so, so many different growers across the country that are at various stages of growth with their crops. Some are still trying to get crop in. Others are uh, are at the end of the season. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting as we talk about some of these things because the burndown rules. Um, are really going to be true whether you're burning down to plant a crop, uh, as uh, as we will be on our farm as soon as it's uh, dry and not windy out there, and and other guys uh, will be doing it after crop and and getting prepared for uh, either the off season or a gap in between crops or something like that. So, as we're talking about burn down, we've got Nick flights with us right now with Pentair and and thinking about spray tips and and how we're going to accomplish this task. Is it a big difference for you, Nick, if you're spraying bare ground with just tiny little weeds versus spraying into stubble, like following wheat, for example? A difference when you're when you're spraying into stubble um, or any crop residue, like we have um, following wheat crop, because uh, that stubble and that that straw residue that's left behind, and that's going to create a little bit of a barrier uh, between the spray droplets in those weeds that we're trying to target. You know, I, I think about um, what we see after we harvest wheat, and, and yeah, there may be a few weeds that have gotten a start, but a lot of times it's weeds that are popping up a little later. So I find we end up mixing in a, a residual herbicide that, that we want to get to the soil and also a burn down that we want to take care of the weeds that are up. And who knows what else we might put in that tank. We might put out some fertilizer or something, too, if we say, hey, this is a good time to get a micronutrient need met or something like that. It seems like every time we're going across the field, we're trying to do a lot of different things. So how do we decide which one? Uh, is really going to determine our spray nozzle. So, for example, say we've got Roundup in the tank and we've got a residual product like a Valor or something like that, and and we may even put a, a micronutrient in there. Uh, what what kind of tip would you do? Would you follow the Roundup or, or which one would you go with? 
So I think you first have to look at, is there a product that we really need to, to focus on drift reduction with? Is there a product that's going to need a coarser droplet than the others? And if that's the case, then we need to, to look at the spray tip we're using to go with the largest droplet that's still going to provide good performance and efficacy. Um, you know, so for the mix that you just gave me, something like a Roundup, a soil residual, and, and some uh, nutrition in there, I'm probably going to um, just kind of go with the all-purpose nozzle for that. There's not really a product in there that coverage is a big key, and there's not a product in there that is really highly drift-prone. Um, so I'm going to go with kind of a moderate droplet size. It's going to kind of give me the best of both worlds, some good drift reduction, some evaporation resistance. Since we're spraying kind of in the middle of summer here, temperatures are getting higher up, especially as you move farther south. Uh, so we want to resist some evaporation there. The coarser droplets are going to help get down through that stubble and that wheat straw to get that residual product down to the soil where it needs to be to get that nutrition down to the soil uh, and also get down uh, to those weeds that are hiding under that wheat straw. Um, so I kind of, you know, balance things there. Um, you know, a good dual-purpose nozzle, it's going to give us a mid-range droplet size. For a lot of these applications, it's going to really going to be a good option following uh, wheat, in my opinion. All right. When we think about spray volumes, this is something where, I mean, nobody wants to carry any more water than they have to or has or fill up any more times than you have to. But if you're out spraying, we got a lot of guys right now that are spraying, uh, you know, basically bare ground with uh, small little weeds that are coming. Uh, how much do you really need? It seems to me that you'd probably want less volume and a more concentrated droplet at that point for burn down, wouldn't you? So some products, um, there has been research shown that, you know, like glyphosate can perform better at lower volumes with a more concentrated droplet. Um, some of that we have to look at the type of nozzle we're using. You know, if we're using a very coarse drift reduction nozzle, we don't want to skimp on our water rates too much because then we're definitely going to see a drop in performance. If we're using a higher coverage nozzle or a nozzle giving us a medium-sized droplet range, yeah, we can probably cut back on water some, but we don't want to go too far with it. You know, the most effective way to increase coverage is to increase our water volume. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, water is pretty cheap. It's the cheapest input we have. And, um, you know, if we look at some other things in our spraying operation, how we can fill faster, um, mix faster, things like that, we can really spray more acres in a day um, and maintain, you know, an adequate water volume to still get the job done. And in spring in this time of year, you know, as we get more evaporation occurring with higher temperatures, uh, you know, an extra couple gallons in the tank is never a bad idea just to help resist some of that evaporation and drift. So you don't have to go with 20 gallons, um, but going to five gallons probably isn't a good option either. Somewhere there in the middle, um, you're probably going to be safe. About like everything else, it seems like the extremes are generally not where you want to be. Uh, somewhere, somewhere up the middle is uh, is a lot safer. Okay, speaking about safety, 
Uh, we've had so many questions this year, Nick, about clean out, and uh, we've had guys sending pictures of their booms, and wow, I didn't realize how much stuff was caught in the ends of my booms, and this kind of thing. And and we've already seen some fields where where guys have injured crop because of product that was stuck in the sprayer or in the spray boom. Can you talk about some of the solutions for that and, and what growers should be looking at? I mean, and this is good for everybody, not just the post-harvest burndown guys, but at any point during the season. Yeah, and so we don't see insider spray booms very often unless we really look. So we don't always realize how much pesticide residue can get caught and trapped up inside the spray boom and inside our nozzle bodies. Um, it, it's pretty surprising, especially with some chemistries, how much can be left behind even after a rigorous clean-out. Um, so there's some products that, you know, Hypro has really put a lot of time and development in, and we had that express end cap in the past with the plug on the end to help with this. Um, but now we, we've taken it a step further. There's a stainless steel quarter-turn ball valve called the express flush valve now. It's a retrofit to go on the end there. And it gives an open flush at the end of the boom, just the turn of a wrist with that ball valve. We can open it up very quickly and easily and flush out that system. And so that's going to save time. It's going to make it easier to clean out our spray boom. Uh, so we're going to be more likely to then clean out our spray boom and do a good job of it. And when we do that, we're, we're, we're going to limit any crop injury uh, from contamination that occurs. We've all done it. Maybe we didn't fully clean out our tank or, or our spray boom, and then we go out in our first pass, you know, we're dinging up our crop. Uh, we've all been guilty of that. This is going to help eliminate that. Uh, it also is we have those that residue built and trapped up inside that spray boom. I have to wonder if applying those micro rates of products may not be selecting for resistance and we, we don't even know it because we're putting micro rates of products yeah, out it sure could be. into and then all of a sudden we see this rapid spread of resistance and, and i've kind of got a pet theory that some of that is due to inadequate sprayer clean out so adopting some of these products um you know with the adjuvant companies they also make a lot of really good sprayer clean out products um so i'd recommend looking into that pairing that with um, a piece of iron, like the express flush valve, putting that together, and I think you're really going to see a more efficient and more effective sprayer clean out. And you might be surprised at some of the stuff you see coming out of your spray boom that you didn't even realize was there in the past. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, there's there's definitely more things getting stuck in there than than what we realize, and Man, getting that cleaned out well is so, so, so important. I've been talking with Nick Flights here with Pentair. Nick, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. You always have lots of great info for us, and appreciate the tips today on Burndown. Thanks, Darren. Have a great day. We're talking about uh, about that post-harvest wheat burn down, but a lot of these same rules are going to apply if you're burning down in front of a crop. And Nick was talking about just getting getting the right tips, getting the right volume, so you're going to do a nice job out there. And even when you're trying to mix several different things at the same time, uh, kind of looking at, well, hey, do I need drift reduction with any of those? And if so, uh, I got to make sure I get that taken care of with my setup that I'm using. We'll be right back taking your calls and questions after this. Stay tuned.
Efficiency is important to the bottom line, but your nitrogen program can be a challenge, as rainfall can leach nitrogen needed for a profitable crop right out of the root zone. Applied with UAN fertilizer, Proximus from Actigrow is proven to reduce nitrate leaching up to 69% and increase nitrogen use efficiency. To improve your yield, ask your ag retailer for Proximus with your next UAN purchase or visit StopLeaching.com. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Every season, you try to raise the bar to achieve your best corn yield ever. But disease can stand in the way like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, anthracnose leaf blight, and southern rust. New Delaro fungicide can stop them. Two different modes of action work on the diseases for the entire spray interval, delivering best-in-class dual mode of action residual efficacy for extended performance. It's the help you need for personal best yields. Keep raising the bar with Delaro from Bayer. Always read and follow label instructions. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, being able to reduce our fertilizer side. So it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. This year, you already made one smart choice by planting glufosinate-tolerant seeds. Now make another, Interline Herbicide from UPL. Interline controls tough, resistant weeds like pigweed, water hemp, mare's tail, and ragweed in glufosinate cropping systems. And with our new manufacturing facility, there'll be plenty of Interline to go around. So play it smart. Choose cost-effective Interline Herbicide. To learn more, contact your UPL distributor or sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. Increase your productivity with Hypro's Dual React Control System. The dual nozzle body design allows you to drive at the speed you want while maintaining the rate and droplet size you need. Hypro, helping you spray better. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? The Soil Warrior can reduce trips across the field, optimize nutrient placement, and improve soil health. So you can lower production costs without losing yield. See what makes the Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting today from the Morton studio. And we're talking about post-harvest wheat burndown. And there are so many things around this, uh, depending on what you're coming back with. And we, we look at uh, the green bridge and just having a, a time where you're not going to have anything for plants living out in that field so you don't transfer disease and bugs and those types of things to the next crop. Uh, we've also got resistant weeds, and this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. It's amazing to me how many growers uh, that are raising cereal crops that I talk to that it used to be, well, grass, grass, grass. That's my big enemy because I'm raising a grass crop. 
Now it's a lot of the broadleaf weeds. Now it's kochia and other weeds that, man, I have to get a handle on that first. I, I'm going to have to use some other options for grass control. i got to get a broadleaf product out there to take care of things, and preferably one that's going to last for a while. And we end up talking a lot about Sharpen. So I've got Krista Ellers-Kirk with us right now with BASF. Krista, thanks for joining us. Hey, Darren, always happy to take five minutes and talk about Sharpen. You know, it, it's an interesting product in that we can use it in front of so many different crops, and not only do we see residual activity, we've got just such a powerful burn down. Can you talk about getting the most out of that burn down ability with Sharpen? Sure, of course. Uh, one of the things that we need to do, first of all, is make sure you're using the right rate, and remember to put in a nice high-quality MSO every time you use Sharpen. Uh, you want it to be uh, one gallon of MSO to 100 gallons of, uh, of your solution, of your water. And then you also want to use uh, UAN or AMS, you know, just to make sure that that Sharpen is really going to take hold and do its job. Uh, without those two things, you won't get the performance, the epic efficacy that you're looking for out of Sharpen. So, you know, those are the things you want to focus on is you spent the money on the product, now let's use it correctly. Growers a lot of times will say, ah, I wish they'd just put all that stuff in the jug. But number one, it's so much product to ship around the country that it doesn't make a lot of sense to uh, to do that. And and number two, you've got a lot of different tank mix partners. I see so many guys putting uh, various products with Sharpen. Can you talk about picking a tank mix partner? Is there anything that you're looking to avoid or anything that you're looking to add? Um, we usually ask, uh, I recommend to add some glyphosate to sharpen. Uh, the two tank mixed well, um, even though there is glyphosate resistance out there, there's still a lot of weeds that your glyphosate's going to catch. And uh, those are a dynamic duo when you use them with sharpen. Um, let's see, anything. Well, think about verdict not, too. I, I guess when you're talking about verdict sure, with it, sure. you, you don't have burn down out of the, the outlook portion that's in there, but, but you do have residual control on grass. And that's something that when you look at sharpen, awesome residual on broad leaves and awesome burn down on broad leaves. But, but you're, you're right. Whether it's glyphosate to burn down grass or, or the outlook component in there uh, for residual on grass, that's a big deal. So when, with Verdict sure. versus just Sharpen alone, does it take away any of the burn down activity? Does it add anything at all? Well, you're, you're adding the, the outlook to it. So you're getting the, those weeds that you may miss with the Sharpen, um, a little added residual, um, both really good products, Darren. You know, in terms of, of spray coverage, we, we were just ch talking with Nick Flights with Pentair about uh, looking at, at different nozzle selection and so forth. What do you like to see with Sharpen? Do you like to see more volume or, or do you like to see a lower volume? What, what works the best? Coverage. Coverage is key. So you want to look for something that's a, a medium to coarse nozzle that's going to give you really nice coverage. Um, you know, you need to you need to cover the weeds, cover the leaves, et cetera, in order to get some activity. So that's what we want to see. Yeah, I like I like the fact that it's a kind of a dual purpose product in terms of soil activity, but also activity on the leaves. And you mentioned mm -hmm. dialing in the rate earlier. I know your rates vary depending on crop. Uh, do you have kind of a rule of thumb in terms of weed height or anything like that as you go up uh, and add another ounce and another ounce to sharpen? <laughs> 
Well, we, we'd like everybody to stay, you know, we're thinking about weeds, we're thinking about resistance. Um, any herbicide product that you're going to use is going to be more active on a smaller weed, which I know actually can be can be asking a lot. Um, but if we can keep it to under the four-inch weeds, that'd be great. Um, two ounces usually does a good job. If you add three, if you throw three out there, you'll get a little bit more residual, a little more oomph uh, behind it from your, from your sharpen. You know, we, we've got a lot of growers that are raising extend soybeans and talking about using products mm-hmm. like Ingenia. Um, mm-hmm. is, is that something that, that plays well with Sharpen? Um, what are you recommending in front of those extend soybeans? Uh, well, we actually have played around with putting Sharpen out uh, before and have had really good results, you know, whether you want to use Sharpen alone or whether you want to tank mix sharpen with Ingenia as a pre, uh, they they do work well together. And you're seeing that sharpen, you know, even though you would worry about, you know, the sharpen burning down the plant and not allowing the, the dicamba to, to have its activity, that's not the way it happens. They actually work really well together. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of opportunity there for for growers to to take a look because mm-hmm. this year there's there's so many that are behind the eight ball and a little bit uh, behind in planting. I know in our farm uh, we we aren't where we'd like to be, and there's a tendency to want to cut costs. And oh, I've got this great burn down option with Ingenia coming up that I'll just do that. But man, the pre emerge residuals in soybeans are so critical. Uh, it, we're talking about post harvest right. wheat burn down today, and it kind of brings to mind uh, just residuals in general for wheat. There, there's still a, a there's still a pretty large segment of the market that is not using a residual in front of wheat. And uh, when we think about a broadleaf product like Sharpen, how much uh, or how long do you expect that activity to last? And then in some of these drier areas where we're growing wheat, could the residual be even a little longer? Uh, potentially. I mean, we usually look at you know, a week per ounce for Sharpen. So if you use two ounces, you should get a couple of weeks of residual out of that. Um, the three ounces, you should get three. Drier conditions uh, may extend it just a little bit. You know, um, when we're talking about um, these post-harvest burndowns as well, uh, mm-hmm. do you recommend anything different as we're going into stubble uh, in terms of getting coverage with Sharpen? Are you seeing it get tied up in residue? That I know a lot of growers are concerned, oh, boy, I had lots of residue. Is is my product just going to get all tied up? Mm-hmm. No, Sharpen's going to do its job. It's going to get through that residue. It's it's going to get into that top layer of the soil and, and get those weeds as they come up. Um, it's a good choice. Yep. Well, Krista, uh, we really appreciate having you on today. We've been talking with Krista Ellers-Kirk with BASF, and we've been talking a lot about Sharpen, and it's it's certainly one of those products that uh, can get used in a lot of crops, and in this burn-down situation, it's it's a very fast-acting and long-lasting soil residual product that, that uh, fits for a lot of growers. Uh, Krista, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Oh, thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. You know, when when we think about that, um, I, I love sharpening in front of uh, cereal crops. It, it's been just fantastic. And kochia has been probably the biggest target weed that, that I've seen. But uh, it's got such a wide range of broadleaf um, 
broadleaf weeds that we can get under control. I think that's a really nice choice. As we're talking about the post-harvest burn down, though, I know there's a lot of guys that just don't want to spend that money and say, ah, boy, it's going to get a little expensive, especially if I'm throwing in a couple of ounces of Sharpen. Uh, What about cheaper options? And the tough thing with a lot of the cheaper things, whether it's a a 24D or or something else that that you can get for a a really low price, is we just don't see nearly the residual. I know uh, Chris had mentioned, oh, we're seeing a week to 10 days on on an ounce of Sharpen, and so we'll get uh, two or three weeks out of a couple ounces. Uh, It it seems to be significantly more than what we're getting out of out of 24D applications. Uh, I don't know what you figure for a residual on 24D, but as far as killing residual, a lot of times it's only about a week. And then we start seeing some weed emergence of, of various species coming through the 24D. And I just, I just hate getting in a spot where we're going to have to go back out there again and again and again for treatment. Uh, over the years where guys have used tillage, that's been the case too. We catch a little bit of rain and we get another flush of weeds coming and uh, that, that can be trouble, and that's why we're talking about uh, residual options like Sharpen would be one of them. All right, when we come back, we're going to dig into the Ag PhD mailbag. Also take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grayson Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grayson Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstoss.com to learn more about Grayson Next. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Think about a quarter inch of rain. That's all it takes to activate Armazon Pro Herbicide in your corn and protect against weeds. Now think about a full inch of rain, the amount most other herbicides require for activation. How long will you have to wait to get that? The weeds hope you'll choose another herbicide. Your corn hopes you choose Armazon Pro Herbicide. Pick a winner. Talk to your BASF rep about Armazon Pro Herbicide today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. 
Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. With the success of the Case IH Tiger Quad Track and Magnum Road Track Tractor, it's no secret why Case IH is the leader of the track. So it wasn't surprising when the competition started imitating us. Because Case IH offered the first five axle design to give you more power to the ground with less berming and compaction, all to help you be more productive. Still, we're flattered. In fact, if we weren't already red, we'd be blushing. To learn more, visit caseih.com tracks. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is the Ag PhD mailbag time. If you've got a question for us, you can email us radio at agphd.com or just give us a call at 844 44AGPHD. Got a question from Bob in Wisconsin. He said, We've got some CRP that we planted with trees a few years ago. We now have a lot of box elder tree saplings, one to two inches in diameter, and I plan to cut them with a walk behind brush mower, and I want to treat or spray the cut stems with something to kill them for good. Now, I'll probably use a three-gallon backpack sprayer. What herbicide or mix do you suggest I use? I uh, listen to your program on channel 147 as often as possible. Hey, thanks, Bob. We really appreciate that. Uh, cutting down trees and, and applying products to the stump uh, can be pretty effective. You know, when you look at uh, products like Tordon, for example, that's that's one that I think of right off the bat. Is there anything else, Brian, that, that you would put on there? Well, with the Tordon, let's keep in mind, you got to be really careful with that. Because if it's in the root area of trees you want to save, now you've got a real problem. So for example, let's say you've got a 50-foot tall tree that's 75 feet away. Is that too close? In my book, it is. What they'll usually tell you is whatever the height of the tree is, you have to stay at least that far away. And what I always tell guys is to be safe, double that. So if it's a 50-foot tall tree, I want to be 100 feet away at a bare minimum with a product like Tordum that's going to last in the soil for possibly 10 years. So you got to be really careful with it. But yes, that's what we always used to use as Tordon. That worked great. Otherwise, Remedy Ultra is a pretty good option too. That is is good on a lot of brush and tree species at controlling them without all the residual. All right. Thanks for the question, Bob. I really appreciate that. Uh, I got one from Dennis in the Ukraine uh, who happened to come to one of our winter workshops here a couple winters ago, and he was planning on coming to uh, to visit our farm here this summer and he said well we've had heavy we've had a number of heavy rain events since the beginning of may and now we get another rainy week uh we're going to have to postpone our trip to the u.s uh to a time that uh or to allow us to get more stuff in the ground here yeah it, it's funny you know this weather pattern uh and where it's hitting everyone is is a little bit of a challenge we do get groups like that that come from uh, different areas around the world that want to uh, to see what we're doing and and talk to us about agronomy and talk to us about their soils and that kind of thing and it's always fun and and a cool opportunity that we get to do 
uh, just uh, with with the Ag PhD program. Uh, any comments you got on that, Brian? Uh, nope. All right, uh, I got one from Mark here, and uh, Mark said I am from Southern Indiana and uh, just got back from uh, a trip over into central Missouri. Just wanted to give you an update on what I saw. Most of southern Indiana, southern Illinois, parts of Missouri have yet to be planted in corn. The few fields that have, a lot of standing water out there. The wheat looks pretty good, though, even with all the rain. Uh, went, went to our farm with reports of constant rain over the last few weeks, fully anticipating a day working on machinery, but we drove out to the food plots on the gator, and I was surprised that the ground was dry enough that we could get out there to fertilize and plant. Uh, so we got that rolling. My question now is uh, I, I do plan to spray the beans and the sunflowers with a pre-emergent trip of Roundup and Spartan or Authority. I don't think I could do this with the seed beds uh, for the Milo. Oh, did I skip something? I'm sorry. wanted to plant some Milo over the top of where our corn was. Uh, but I don't think I could do that out in the Milo if I plan to till this ground before planting. Uh, so the question, can you till in Spartan or Authority, and what experience have we had with that? Okay, this is really confusing because you said Spartan and Authority, and then you said corn, and then you said Milo, and you're not going to use Spartan or Authority in front of corn or Milo. So I, I think I'm a little lost, but if, if the only question is, can you incorporate Spartan or authority, the answer is absolutely you can. In fact, I prefer that, but you have to lightly incorporate it. You do not want to disc it in. You do not want to bury it. You got to keep it real shallow. But if you lightly incorporate that, so I'll usually tell guys, like, let's say at a field cultivator, go seven or eight miles an hour. So that way I know you can't bury it. You're going too fast. Uh, it, it will work great because now it's down in the root zone or I should say in the zone where a lot of the weeds are, these are shoot inhibitors, Spartan and Authority. And if you get them too deep, well, now the shoot to the weed is going to be well above where the herbicide is placed. So you've got to keep them shallow. But, yeah, make sure you're using them on a labeled crop, not corn or milo. Yeah, what do you think about soybeans and sunflowers with a Roundup Spartan mix? For me, with sunflowers, I think if you're just using Spartan or Spartan Charge, I think you're selling yourself short. It, it would sure be nice to have another mode of action out there to try to diversify what you're doing and, and protect yourself against any resistance. We see a lot of guys using something like, um, you know, a, a yellow in addition to that in front of sunflowers uh, just to, to get another mode of action out there and also to get some more help on grasses uh, in front of soybeans. Of course, we talk a lot about the three pre's, so we'd prefer to see some metribuzin going with that authority uh, and, and hopefully a yellow as well. Uh, any any other thoughts there, Brent? I love how you phrase that. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, you, you already know what my thoughts are because you've heard it a million times. I think as a sunflower producer, you're crazy if all you're going to do is put Spartan out. You, I mean, sunflowers, we don't have any post-emerge options to kill broadleaves. So how are you going to kill the broadleaves? And you can tell me all day long, oh, I have uh, clearfield sunflowers or, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, the other one, uh, the other ALS one or SU one, uh, it's escaping me. Anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, the, the point is, these are ALS herbicides. You're not going to kill kochia. You're not going to kill water hemp. You're not going to kill palmer pigweed. You're not going to kill mares. You're not going to kill any of these resistant weeds. No way. So uh, you've got to have another broadleaf killer. And believe it or not, 
the yellows are fantastic broadleaf killers of the small seeded broadleaves. And I'm talking a lot of those resistant weeds that are resistant to Roundup and ALS herbicides. So you've got to have that. Got to, got to. I wouldn't even plant sunflowers unless I had a yellow plus Spartan. And in soybeans, yeah, three pre's I think are a must. Yeah, you're thinking about express-tolerant sunflowers was your other. Thank you. Good grief. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, thanks for the questions, Mark. We really appreciate that. Uh, got one from Kristen, and and she says, I'm looking at using a talc plus starter fertilizer product on my cotton, and I'm new to this type of thing and would appreciate any insight you might provide on its usefulness. Now, Kristen, I'll say you, you mentioned a product name that we have not used or tried at this point, but Brian, we have done some uh, talc products that have biological products in nutrients. them so so uh, uh, bacteria yeah, some with nutrients too yeah you have to be real careful because getting many nutrients on the seed and i mean directly on the seed can hurt germination so i worry about that if it's a product that i've never used and i'm not familiar with but if you want to try some on a small scale yes you absolutely can the key is keeping that rate ridiculously low and you may get some gain out of that. We've seen some of that before, and I know there are some high-yield guys doing that type of thing. So, yes, it's something that I would be willing to try, but I'm going to try it on a small scale first. Well, Brandon, just to add to that, too, we did have um, some wheat that we put out last fall that had a nutrient seed treatment on it. And I don't know if the rate got too hot or if it just weakened that seed a little bit, but our winter survival was not quite as good. Our stands are not quite as thick where we put that on. So I, I agree with you. I'm nervous about that, putting fertilizer right on seed. I, I like it uh, a little bit in furrow. I like a little bit more off to the side, like a, a couple inches away. That sure improves safety. I don't think we need a whole lot of fertilizer around seed. So as long as that rate's really, yeah, I really low, I, I think you'd be okay. Yeah, I mean, what I would do instead of investing in a biological or natural product to go right on the seed, those have been proven to be safe, effective. They get into that plant early, and the plant really needs it then. I mean, as long as your fertility is relatively close so the roots can start to get it right away, I think that's good enough on fertilizer. Well, and what if things are sticky out there and you say, boy, I need a little bit more talc? Are you really going to measure things out and, and still be okay? Or are you just going to put on as much talc as you need to get flowability through right. the planter? That's, I, I don't know, yep. that's, that's a tough thing whenever you have a combo product and, uh, and yep. your use rate could be dictated by the other part of that combo. Hey, we're going to get to more of your questions coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. 
Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Ultra Blazer. Kind of sounds like the name of a superhero, doesn't it? Well, to soybean growers, it is. Because Ultra Blazer from UPL controls the toughest weeds, including pigweed, ragweed, and water hemp. And you can make it part of your resistance management program on all trait-based beans, even dicamba tolerant. Plus, with Ultra Blazer, there are no plant-back concerns. Talk about superpowers. To learn more, contact your crop protection consultant or dealer. Always read and follow label directions. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the STEPS GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need STEPS GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag, answering your calls and agronomic questions. If you want to uh, just call us and ask a question, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Or uh, you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Uh, let's get back to uh, some of the mailbag questions. Got a comment here from Lloyd. He said, uh, uh, I've been watching your videos and learning a lot. Hey, Lloyd, thank you. Really appreciate that. We do uh, we do really uh, like being able to put our content out there for, for everyone to reach because we end up reaching people like our next question here comes from Iftikhar from Pakistan. said, I'm watching videos of you online. Really appreciate the work you're doing and how you're trying to help farmers. I'm new in agriculture. We're raising corn and just starting to use herbicides. I'm wondering, could you give me an idea of uh, what kind of herbicides you're using for corn and what, uh, and, uh, how I'm going to control the various types of weeds that grow in our area. Hey, Iftikar, thank you so much. We really appreciate you, uh, you checking out our videos and, uh, good luck to you as you get started raising corn. It's a fun crop to grow. Uh, the fertility aspect is a big one. Uh, but, but certainly if you want to, uh, maximize your efficiency, you're going to need to kill the weeds too. So we, we group the weeds into two different categories, grasses and broadleaves. And when we look at grasses, we like to start with a soil residual herbicide, something from the group 15 chemistry family, like acetochlor or metallochlor. 
and you put one of those herbicides down, they don't kill the weeds that are up, but they have soil activity. If you get them in the soil and have a little bit of moisture, uh, they, you want to keep them in the top inch or so of soil, and with moisture they'll activate, and as weeds start to germinate, they'll kill them as they start to emerge. And then for broadleaf weeds, a lot of times we're, we're killing them post-emerge, we're utilizing a, a number of different products. Dicamba would be one that you'll probably have access to, uh, but many from the HPPD family of chemistry. So products like mesotrione would be one that, that you may have access to in your area. And a lot of times when we're talking about weed control in our weed of the week segments that you're probably checking out online, we'll, we'll try to put those active ingredients out there, or at least show you the product labels so you can, can pick up on what the actives are and, and if they're labeled in your country. Uh, Brian, any other comments you'd say for a first time corn grower? Uh, well, I think we could spend yeah. days <laughs> talking about that. So let's just move on to the next one. We sure could. And, and if really appreciate that, if you've got uh, some follow-up questions, don't be afraid to send them. Uh, get a question from Joshua here. He said, first off, I uh, really enjoy the show. Uh, I'm learning new ways to improve productivity and profit on the farm, so keep that up. Uh, I think I've watched every episode you've ever done uh, that has to do with drainage, tile, and terraces. Oh, boy. This sounds like a question for you, Brian. He said, uh, but I have a question that you haven't really addressed. I'm wondering, is my soil too shallow and light to remove my terraces? If I do, will the topsoil just run off, or can I fix that by getting tile in the ground? If it was me, and well, I'll just tell you this. On our farm, I've taken out every terrace that I have in a field, but not entirely taken it out. So in other words, the problem is these terraces were designed back in the 1950s, and our big equipment just doesn't fit there anymore. So by taking most of the terrace out, we're farming over the top of it, through it, whatever, but we're still getting some benefit out of the terrace. And compared to the 1950s, we have tile in these fields now, so that obviously really helps. We also have gone to reduce tillage or, or like strip till or something, so that really helps. And, you know, you've got to look at multiple ways to stop these erosion issues. It all depends on how steep the hills are. For me, I'm lucky because a lot of these hills aren't very steep where we had terraces. It's just if you were doing full-scale conventional tillage, any hill leads to erosion. If you had steep hills, then absolutely, I'm going to leave the terrace, and I'm going to put tile in, and I'm going to preferably no-till or strip-till. So you, you got to take multiple steps to get this problem handled. I don't know in this situation because I don't know what your, your, your slope is, and I also don't know how long that slope is. If it's a half-mile slope all running downhill, that's whole different than if it's 50 feet and it's 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 pretty steep. So I, there, there's a lot to consider here. I have a tough time telling anybody to take terraces out. But by the same token, I would say, yes, putting drain tile in absolutely helps reduce erosion. It's just that's a tool and terraces are a tool. And we, in some cases, need to use all the tools available to us to do the best job in the field for the short term and the long term. Hey, thanks, Joshua. Really appreciate all the support, and uh, thanks for uh, for watching all those videos, too. If you've got other questions, uh, please don't be afraid to send them. Uh, going from Danny here in South Africa, he said, I wanted to ask what your opinion is on granular or pelletized lime 
versus regular ag lime. Wondering if the efficiency is different, and I'm also wondering how can the granular really be a substitute for ag lime? Well, it all depends on that particle size. That's really the big factor. So what you're looking at here is the equivalent calcium carbonate, uh, or effective calcium carbonate equivalency. And the, the particle size is the number one factor by far and away. Other than that, yeah, you're looking at purity and everything. Um, and, you know, there are a few other little things, but the, the big thing is the size of that particle. So in some cases, ag lime can have a very small size and it can be very effective. But if it's, if it's big particles, it's going to take a long time to break down. It's not going to be as effective and it may not even be as long lasting. So it's really hard to say. The, the challenge becomes if let's say you're at a four pH and you want to take it to a six, 0.3, for example, and you've got super heavy soil. Well, it's going to take tons of lime, probably over a period of years, to get that that up there. If you've got super light soil and you only need to move it half a point, let's say, you might be able to do this real easily and you can do it fairly cost effectively with that, that pelletized lime. So uh, here's the other thing. Is the landlord going to pay for this? Do you own the ground? Or what's the situation there? Because if it's rented ground and I'm, I only have a one-year lease, I'm going to use some pelletized lime, just get me by for this year and call it good. So you got a lot of things to kind of talk through there and think through. Hey, thanks for the questions. Really appreciate that. Uh, get one from Brent in central Nebraska. He said, uh, you were talking um, last week on one of your shows a little about cultivation. I'm just curious, could you talk about the pros and cons about cultivating and ridge tilling? We're in central Nebraska. We've got a bunch of gravity irrigation. I'm always concerned about the adverse effects of root pruning with these practices. Just curious if you've seen any studies on yield drag or standability issues due to that. Well, I really haven't seen a lot of data, but I, I can just tell you from firsthand experience, yes, when you're going out there, even fairly early in the season, it's very likely you're going to cut some roots. So the other challenge becomes letting moisture out. And when you're in Nebraska, um, you know, the soil is lighter, the, you're hotter than where we are in South Dakota. In a lot of cases, you don't want to give up that moisture. We always used to say when we were cultivating, we'd lose an inch of rain doing that. I don't really want to lose an inch of rain. So pruning the roots, taking the time and effort to go through the fields, and, and you know, and the money and the fuel and all that, and then uh, just opening that soil up. I, I mean, those are the reasons why people don't do it anymore. And I, I mean, I think I think it's pretty overwhelming when... Everybody used to tie or used to uh, cultivate, it seemed like, and now literally nobody cultivates. That, that should tell you, hey, um, there's got to be a, a, a lot of good reasons why. So in terms of the, uh, the ridge till, you can certainly do that. Uh, I, I don't have any big issue with ridge till. Occasionally we'll have some salt issues. Um, that's, that's probably my biggest concern, salt and potassium issues. But otherwise, I mean, ridge till is, is just fine. It's just if it was me, maybe once every few years, I might knock everything out and start all over again just to, uh, to mix stuff up. But, yeah, ridge till works fine. The, the nice thing with ridge till, too, is compaction. So, you know, if you keep going down the exact same tracks all the time, you know where your compaction is and you've reduced it in the other areas. 
Yep, that's for sure. Hey, thanks for the questions. Really appreciate that, Brent. Um, yeah, we're getting a lot of questions in this time of year on a variety, wide variety of topics. And uh, if you want to send in questions, again, you can send them in anytime. Just our emails radio at agphd.com. If, if you say, oh, I, and I don't catch a show all the time between two and three, uh, that's, that's no problem. Uh, email is a great way to, to send those questions in. Had a fun time talking about post-harvest wheat burn down and uh, certainly a lot of issues in, in burn down to deal with. Brian talked about dealing with the cold weather. We've had a lot of that. Uh, but we've also got some hot weather things we've got to watch as well. Thanks for listening to our show today. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now, stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio. <laughs>